Welcome to episode 68 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with hypnotherapist and the chairman for the National Council of Hypnotherapy, Tracy Grist. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Change Works is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works, where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today, I'm looking forward to chatting with the chairman for the National Council for Hypnotherapy. This is someone who not only has worked in private practice as a hypnotherapist since 2009, specializing in complex trauma, but she also rides a motorbike, is the mum of two adult men, and has a dog by the name of Bear Growls. I'm keen to chat with her today about her take on rapid change and also the role of professional associations within an industry that's, quite frankly, unregulated. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy Grist. Hi, Howard. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to diving in and getting started. And I'm curious how you go essentially from, uh, you mentioned when we spoke previously that you were a stained glass artist, to becoming a hypnotherapist. Tell us about how you went from there to there. Oh, do you know, Howard, it's because I love the world of communication and for me stained glass is all about imagery and getting across a message without using words and one of the things that I love about hypnotherapy is all the spaces in between the words and the rapport the communication that you have with clients it was inevitable that I would become a hypnotherapist I, I know that hypnotherapy is not the first thing that you trained in when it comes into the world of psychological development. So what did you uh, looked at previously? When I decided to make a change from doing the stained glass, a lot of it was working in a studio, working on my own. And I thought, actually, what I'd like to do is work with people directly. So I threw myself into training as a counsellor and over some time realised that actually as much as I love counselling and the process of counselling is very slow and actually I found myself thinking well, where are the tools where are the tools for change that clients can empower themselves with and so for me although counselling is right for some people I just felt as a practitioner it wasn't enough and actually, if I got a plumber in to fix the leak and he came in, I wouldn't expect him to watch me trying to fix the leak and saying, 
oh, you know what, Tracy, I'm not sure that's quite right. Have you thought about doing it this way? I'd expect him to come in and fix the leak. He's got the training. He's got the knowledge. Not I. I'm paying for that service. And in some ways, I think the same should apply therapeutically that if we're paying a therapist to help us, we don't want to be fixing it ourselves. We want some tools. We want to be able to empower ourselves to make the changes that we need. So, so I'm curious because I want to get more into hypnosis and hypnotherapy and how you see it and indeed some of the challenges that the world of hypnotherapy has in terms of the way it's perceived but i'm curious about something that you said um about counseling just now Ooh. which is and sometimes people worry though or wonder you know is this podcast about bashing you know traditional methods and actually i want to go the other way and say what are the positive things that you took from counseling that might be useful for more hypnotherapists to think about gestative or integrate into their work? Well, it's not that I don't um, respect counselling. I think there is a place for counselling. And equally, I mentioned Irvin Yalom. He's a psychotherapist and does long-term practice. And one of the things that I love about his book is discussing the relationship and the rapport around the relationship and bringing love into the room and for me probably where hypnotherapy fails in some ways is this one quick we're going to get you sorted you know the hypnotherapist is the master and the client the manipulated and actually there's that balance between counseling and hypnotherapy where we empower the client to be resourceful to be resilient it's not for us to point at them and give them a cure it's for us to support them to create their own internal support so i think there is some balance in between counseling and hypnotherapy where rapport is essential respect is essential and recognizing that the client does want to survive so, so why is it, do you think, that many people, um, including many hypnotherapists, as well as what I would call lay people, uh, and that's a term, by the way, that I got from when I used to be a magician. We used to call people that were non-magic folk lay people, of course. I know you have a love of magic, so I thought I'd throw that in there. She doesn't, by the way. She doesn't. Um, but why do you think... Um, People see hypnotherapy often as that sort of quick fix, instant one hit wonder kind of magic trick of a therapy. I think counselling has had this sort of prolific approach where they found ways of integrating it into the national health system. And at the same time, you know, way back when hypnotherapy was shunned because of anaesthetic. But at the same time, this performance around hypnotherapy was also fascinating and caused people to see it as entertainment. And I think that hypnotherapy has sort of had kind of bad press because it's been moving away from entertainment and moving into the therapeutic process, you know, as long as counselling has been building on its therapeutic process. And I think that hypnotherapy has just had bad press as entertainment and it's convincing the public or lay people 
that there is a place for hypnosis and hypnotherapy within the circle of trust rather than you know as hypnotists stage hypnotists or magicians outside of the circle of trust is this and the fact that you don't like the fact that it can be perceived by some as this instant fix one hit wonder uh, is this one of the reasons why you're so motivated to work in your capacity as chairman of the national council for hypnotherapy to to really help better educate people and the profession about uh, how they can uh, better be portrayed? Yeah, I I think you highlight a bigger picture, really. And with counselling, hypnotherapy being unregulated, it's finding a way through that unregulation. Can you say unregulation? Yeah, it's finding a way through. (laughs) I know, thank you. (laughs) It's finding a way through that unregulation where you set a standard and give hypnotherapists the option to self-regulate and to self-regulate voluntarily because we can't enforce self-regulation. So I'm quite passionate with my work with the NCH to create that standard that says, you know what, guys, we follow a code of ethics and practice. When you come and see an NCH hypnotherapist, you know your sessions are confidential and not, my bugbear, discussed on the Facebook social group titled Hypnotherapists. And um, you have a minimum training standard. You see supervisors, you have support from the NCH board. And actually, rather than being alone in, in the world of unregulation, you have a support network around you that protects you and consequently the public that come to see you wasn't there and i could be wrong in thinking this wasn't there a a documentary about the fact that hypnosis is unregulated and they got a cat to to be certificated in hypnosis and my guess is that that couldn't happen with the nch as much as i'd love cats to join I think that would be quite nice. I I do believe they're quite therapeutic animals. No, of course not. I mean, what what we do is we have these set standards for people who join. And to my knowledge, we've never allowed a cat in to date, and nor do we prepare to either. And, And by doing that, we have an application process. We vet people who want to join the NCH and make sure that they meet the minimum requirements. Is that the same for dogs? Apart from bear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was a documentary, and I can't remember when it was on. Um, I think they named the, the cat Dr. Cats, I think. I think it was like, was it about eight years ago, maybe now? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And they would, about they would... a rival PA, I do believe. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I... yeah. But I, I was curious because I, I know um, we've been talking. I'm, I'm curious about um, doing trainings uh, with the NCH, uh, teaching hypnotherapy as well. Um, and it certainly seems like there's various rigorous hoops to jump through before I'm able to do that, which I think is a good thing. Well, I'm glad because... You know, ultimately, we're setting a minimum standard. And what we hope is that by setting this level with an externally verified training, that actually, you know, as a trainer, 
that you're secure in what you're training. And it's not just down to your one hit wonder technique that you're training your trainees to do um, and force onto people because you believe it's the right thing. Just just changing track a moment. Many people won't realise this, but we ended up recording the rapid fire round twice. And if you're going, where is the rapid fire round? Scroll down on the rapidchange.works website where the, the podcast is also housed. Um, and it will be there, the rapid fire round. And it's normally it's two minutes, as you know, eight questions in two minutes to really expose and wet the whistle of what's to come. Uh, and we had a recording problem the first time we did this, but but I must point this out to everyone because one of the questions was, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? And um, the first time round, you said, I would tell myself, my 20-year-old self, to go for it. And I thought, whoa, what a good answer. Great. And then the second time we recorded it, it made me laugh because I said, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? And you went, I'd tell, I'd tell her to be more cautious. So I'm curious as to, you did a 180-degree flip between yeah. the first recording and the second recording, which was uh, about a week apart. So what what happened? What was the well, thinking? Howard, I do believe that people can change. And it's been a whole week. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, I was basing it on the advice that I gave my son, because I'd not long talk to him before the last recording and I said you know whatever happens just go for it and I thought god that's great advice well done mum and uh and I thought yeah that's that's the advice I would give to my younger self then I had a week to think about my younger self and actually whilst I might advise Aiden to go for it I certainly wouldn't advise myself <laughs> to go for it because I'm a go for it kind of yeah person it's funny isn't it because go for it seems like the, the sort of thing that you say to people just seems universally like good stuff to say go for it go on don't hesitate but but maybe some hesitation and some stopping and thinking clearly is useful from time to time <laughs> it certainly would have got me out of a lot of uh, difficult positions I, I i posted something recently it was a quote from thomas edison and I, I'm going to misquote it now, but it was this idea about, you know, um, I mean, I think one of the, it wasn't this quote, but he has another one, which is like every wrong attempt discarded is another step forwards. And you just keep trying and you keep doing it and you keep throwing stuff out. And if it's not working, just, just keep trying something new and get, and, and that's fine. And it's often quoted as like really good, solid advice. Mm. On the other hand, I think it also misses a point, which is sometimes it's important to know when, Maybe you're just not cut out for something, and that's okay too. Maybe you don't have to create the next light bulb, or you don't have to keep doing stuff repeatedly. You can just go, okay, I, I can quit this and do something else. Yeah, and I think it it comes down to you know, and and it comes back again to the sort of pet hate of one size fits all. Everyone is different, you know. Everyone is unique, and whilst I'm quite spontaneous, I don't need more advice to be more spontaneous i probably would have responded to a bit of advice that said before you actually go for that do you want to have a think about how it might work you know and i think that that probably 
would be the most logical advice to give somebody who is spontaneous rather than, yeah, keep going for it, keep going for it. You know, you might fail. Yeah. And of course, you get stronger by doing things and actioning things. But also, maybe it's just a bit more logical to actually think before going for it sometimes. Uh, There's a brutality of just saying go for it or a brutality of saying stop just just take a moment to think about it that doesn't seem i would say like hypnosis you know hypnosis is often seen as this you know put the whale music on in the background have the walk them down some stairs and so on and some people um almost feel a set i i i'm guessing now by the way and i'm i'm mind reading but i think there are a lot of hypnotherapists out there who feel uh, a pressure to deliver that kind of hypnosis because it's perceived and sometimes i think people just need some like straightforward advice that's not even necessarily hypnotic it's just like dude just stop messing around and get on with it or think about it where do you draw the line between someone comes to see a hip a in inverted commas hypnotherapist and just giving them some really practical advice that they might just need and might be better than indirect suggestions and i think it's it's that i think recognizing your own strengths and abilities is really important i i certainly explain to any clients that are coming to see me uh not to expect me to be non-judgmental because sometimes we need a bit of judgment if only if we're feeling with some people who feel a bit wobbly, you know, self-esteem, codependency, all of that sort of thing, where they haven't anchored in their beliefs and principles, a bit of judgment can be helpful. And yeah, I maybe would play well music to some people, but I'd much prefer the Jaws theme, do you know? <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Obviously not with people coming to see me for anxiety. I'm not sure that that would help particularly. Yeah, or a shark phobia. <laughs> yeah, because I get loads of those. Yeah, well, me I'm too. Not... They can't bath. They can't uh, shower. Exactly. Do you know what? I might actually start pitching that as a specialism. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's huge money in it. Absolutely. Yeah, apparently Although, wasn't so. there a surge? Yes. Oh, apparently. I, I heard that too. Uh, what a time to be alive when the jaws felt. To, to be a therapist around that time would have been just <laughs> tremendous. Now, I, I'm going to have an argument with you. I, I decided this oh, earlier. when uh, in, in response to one of your uh, questions, you said most important belief for a change worker to have, and you went, the client knows themselves better than you do. And yeah maybe but here's where i'm going to throw a spanner in the works i'm curious to see what you say about this presumably if someone's having some difficulty or some challenge it's because the current map of the world that they have is not working or functioning for them in that the way they create meaning in the world they don't have the resources to be able to make those changes yet. They need something outside of them, a different perspective, a different view. So 
they know really well about how screwed up or how problematic or how challenging their thought process is. But by default, if any of the stuff that they themselves know is the solution, they wouldn't need our help. So surely they do need something outside of themselves to affect a solution. I'm not suggesting that they know the problem. I'm suggesting that they know themselves and actually they're the lighthouse that you work with Mm. and that you follow. I'm not saying that they, well, they wouldn't be present if they knew the problem and knew the answers. But that isn't about themselves. They know their math and they know something isn't right. And then it's a case of being detectives together to find out that something isn't right through rapport and working in harmony to find the solution. So, for example, um, you can get that experience where, oh, and I certainly have it, where I think, right, this is what's wrong with somebody. Pointy, pointy finger. I know this. And then I go into the therapy room and I'm thinking, right, I know what's wrong with you. Let's, let's do it. And invariably, I'm proved wrong because actually I don't know their map. I don't know what's going on with them. And if I take in this sort of preconceived idea of I know the answers, I'm always going to get blindsided by them, you know, pretty much. I like it. Very good. I prodded, I poked, and you had this just straight back at me. Beautiful. Um, it, it actually reminds me, I was at a meetup group and uh, a hypnotherapist came up to me and said, how do, don't you, um, we were chatting, don't you uh, hate it when uh, you spend like a couple of hours before a session prepping and writing out all the things you're going to say and, and deal with and then they walk in and you, you realise none of it's... Uh, and I, I had a weird reaction, which is on one hand, I felt kind of awkward because I thought, oh, I don't, I don't spend two hours prepping. Should I? Yeah, outrage. How? What, like, am I? Am I unprofessional here? I'm not spending my two hours before each session writing out all of the thing, you know. And, and on the other hand, I just thought, you know what? Like, how can you possibly know before you meet them and plan out all the things you're going to say? It's kind of ridiculous. And that's really, if we go back to the idea of rapid change, that's no more ridiculous than setting a time frame of how long change is going to be before you've met them or seen them. I think, and and do you know what? And it comes back down to, doesn't it? It's, God, there's so many things in what you've just said. I like to semantically layer it all in. Yeah, thank you. So one of the things I think is really important as a therapist is that you know yourself. A bit like when we were talking about the advice. I went to the blanket, yeah, go for it, younger Tracy. But actually, knowing myself, the best advice would be to say, think a little first. And because I'm a spontaneous worker, I work in rapport, I work. But there are people who don't work spontaneously, who do like to work planned. And I do believe that in this great wealth of society, there's the right person for the right job. And fingers crossed, people you know, clients or the layman don't choose to be with the wrong therapist longer than they need to. And so there is room for prepping, there is room for scripts and all of those things. But knowing yourself, so you would know yourself to be spontaneous. I find that if I prep 
actually it makes me a bit more clumsy immediately makes me a bit more clumsy with the rapport because I start thinking I want you to work to my model whereas actually I read a post the other day who said oh I've got a young lad who's um frightened of he has a phobia and he's super intelligent super brainy he's only young and the first reply was do the fast phobia cure do you know and it's like this is not let's not squeeze our clients into each model he's you know the therapist as much as I disagree with talking on Facebook I obviously read it do you know but the therapist is like he's the first thing he's super intelligent well people know or could know that there is this huge crossover link between existentialism and intelligence and so actually they've already flagged up that there's something else going on you don't just bucket it in with a fast phobia cure Blah. Tricky, tricky. But yeah, but but if the only tool you have is a is a what's the phrase a hammer, then everything will look like a screw or a nail. Be- nail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if, if, if if the only tool you have is a hammer and, the, and everything looks like a screw, you've you've already got problems. <laughs> slightly again you know you can listen to the screw telling you i'm a screw and if you want to treat it like a nail (laughs) i didn't realize how on the money that metaphor was until i (laughs) totally mullered it (laughs) in your experience apart from and i know you're a big fan of irving yalom i get that but apart from irving yalom are there any good reads recommended books that have uh, had a real impact on the way you approach change oh thanks for springing that one on me that's Um, okay there are so many if only they'd been a you know a a, a question sheet ahead of time which kind of flanked these things up (laughs) there is there is a favorite one that i have that i could read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times and have done in fact which is about (laughs) you'd be curious of the name of it (laughs) the mole that knew it was none of his business (laughs) you don't know how offensive that was you're talking to someone who when i was when i was 11 uh, and 12 and i was uh, overweight with a short with, with glasses and a crew haircut people used to call me mole Darling, well, no, no, that's fine. You've just said the mole who, what was it? The, the mole who, the mole that knew it was none of his business. Well, if that's not a, 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 it's, a it's... talking in quotes to me, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't need to talk in quotes. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no, it, it's a very good book, and it's mm-hmm. about a mole who sticks his head up from his hole and um, somebody does a poo on his head. Yeah. And basically, he goes around the whole animal kingdom. I thought we'd stick with the animal mammal theme. Mm. And uh, he goes around asking all the creatures, did they do the poo on his head? And the creatures say, no, because I do my poos like this. And then they give a little example of how they do their poos. Anyway, he eventually discovers that it turns out to be Basil the butcher's dog has done the original poo. And so all like strong and powerful and tiny, he runs up the side of Basil, this giant dog, and then just goes and does a tiny poo on his head. And then his world is complete. (laughs) 
Yeah, you asked. Is, is this a kid's book? Of course it is. I'm just checking. It's... <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? My, kids, my kids would love it. I think you should get it. It's really fabulous. And I'm going to buy it. Do, do. And it's. I just think that actually, you know, what I love about the book is that it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks or does. It matters what you do. I'm not advocating peering on people's heads. But actually, the mole had a little project to do. He found out a lot and he walked away feeling very happy. And that's that's what it's all about. I'll be honest, I have um, three and a half years of doing this podcast and asking people for book recommendations. And I, at one point, I even collated a huge list, and it's on the, the Rapid Change website, of the ultimate change workers reading guide. And this is the first time anyone's mentioned this one. <laughs> no, no. But actually, what I love about children's books is that they're setting morals for children you know they're coming in unconsciously and again maybe it's the overlap between glass and imagery and the movement you know actually the world doesn't have to be that hard do you know I've got like a compendium of Freud's memoirs I haven't looked at it do you know does it have to be that difficult no, I don't know I, I, look, I'll be honest, you know, between reading Freud's memoirs or a book about a, a mole discovering who shot on his head, I, I'd be totally down with the mole. <laughs> what would you say to someone who was um, raising a critical nature about the NCH or about any association that attempts to create some form of regulation uh, in what essentially is unregulated uh, territory? For me, the NCH, being within the NCH is safer. I'm not an individual therapist when I'm in the NCH. I'm part of a network that's there to support me and protect the public. And the, the, probably one of my biggest bugbears are people talking about the unregulated world that we're in and how they can challenge and champion the the difficulty the difficulty is as hypnotherapists we're all a bit of a maverick and um it is a bit like rounding cats up because we are all quite you know i think it's only five percent of the uk that's self-employed do you know and things like that were already quite different and we thrive on being different and being unique I, I believe and so to put a sort of ring fence around saying is, is really difficult it's like rounding cats up basically and I think people who kind of want to shout about hypnotherapy might be nice if they joined a tribe and shouted with us and we get all our numbers up so that we can actually start making shifts in the industry not to be confused with shits on a basil the butcher's dog <laughs> but we can make like these like all together we have a stronger more powerful voice and it would be really nice to have that strength there are a lot of intelligent people out there who don't believe in the nch or don't believe in pas and actually it would be great if we could all sing from the same hymn sheet but i i, I think are, are people concerned that if they join 
um, an organization like the NCH, that, that, that means they can no longer pioneer stuff or be mavericks or try new things. Is that what you think it is? I, I think perhaps it just goes against the essential nature of some people. I think there's also, you know, preconceived ideas of what the NCH represents um, because we are there to protect the public primarily. But actually, we're also there to support and nurture hypnotherapists. And it all just comes down to what people believe without actually looking into it a bit deeper. I'm curious because uh, uh, about at the point of recording this, it's now the back end of the year 2020. As many of you will know that 2020 has been a, 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 an interesting year, to say the least, with global pandemics and corona and um, what do you see has happened with the world of hypnosis, hypnotherapy in a world of global pandemic? What are the changes or what are the things that have happened and how has the NCH supported? That's an interesting question, Howard. Um, I think we have been so lucky in so much as we've been able to move our work online. And actually, I think hypnotherapy works fantastically online. You don't kind of get that client turning up, having braved the commute and stressed about who am I going to go and meet? You know, they can sit in their lounge and just comfortably relax. So we've already started at a different level. And I quite like that about the online work. I think I think we've been phenomenally lucky as hypnotherapists. And do, do you think in a time where we're seeing more anxiety globally than ever before? Um, do you think people are reaching out more for help or less? Well, one would hope more for the support that they need. I think it's a way of, um, I, I really don't know about the world globally. I think there's been a lot of stress levels with Black Lives Matter, Brexit, and the coronavirus and everyone has sort of been challenged in different ways and I I think what's what's been interesting is how that sort of demonstrated what belief systems people have you know whether one believes that if something's different is uh, belief systems that people have is is fascinating because you know some people like to believe in conspiracy some people like to believe that you know, the world's out to get them. And I think something like that has been really highlighted. And how do you work with people's belief systems? Because they've sort of bubbled up to the fore uh, rather than being in the back end. And I think it's really key as therapists to sort of manage the belief systems. I mean, our buckets can only get so big, can't they, and hold so much. And it would be lovely if, moving forwards people do recognize that the nch hypnotherapists generally are there to support and to alleviate the trauma around quite a difficult time in history tracy is there anything that i haven't asked directly but you really wanted to to communicate or to get across during this rapid change matters conversation I'm just going to flag up finally confidentiality and working with clients. Certainly on Facebook, people kind of are discussing their clients and it's a real bugbear for me. 
because I think when a client comes to see you, they're coming to a safe space. And one would hope that since GDPR in 2018, we would have a privacy policy. And part of that privacy policy is to keep your clients confidential. And I just think it's put me off the idea of going to see a hypnotherapist that isn't in the NCH. Because actually, how do you guarantee safety if hypnotherapists are saying, well, I, ha- I know somebody, I'm not going to mention their name, but I'm going to mention the fact that they have erectile dysfunction or they're frightened of keyholes or, you know, and actually these things are really personal that clients bring to us. And I think until we start behaving in a respectful way, to demand respect is a little bit difficult. Do you know, I had a long conversation with uh, a lady called Margaret about confidentiality who came to see me for her genital warts and she was totally in agreement with me that it's important. Where is she from? Remind me. It was uh, 45 Cherry Brook Lane. Oh, okay. I know Margaret. Yeah. Yeah, she she said she's a friend of yours. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, 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 I quite agree. I quite agree. There are a lot of very outspoken people in the industry of hypnosis and hypnotherapy, often on forums all over the place, giving out pieces of advice and often advice to, to people who are just starting out. What would be the, uh, an important piece of advice you would give to someone who is just starting out other than the obvious join the NCH? I think just starting out, actually, I think I would hope that they have support from their training school and that the support didn't suddenly stop as soon as they left. And my biggest bit of advice would be to get a supervisor. Do you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's the equivalent of having a work wife or husband and I think that if you start out with a supervisor and you stick with that supervisor they grow with you and they get to know you and perhaps how you work things like when you when you have that relationship that grows together things like the transference within the relationship and the counter transference when you're with clients and you're If you get a client that doesn't feel good enough, quite often a therapist can take that and with the transference and the counter-transference, perhaps not feel good enough as a therapist. And so all of these hidden, subtle movements around the therapeutic relationship can be really helpful to explore externally with a supervisor. And I think in the mainstream, supervisors are really undervalued and just how how helpful it can be within practice. Yeah. And if someone wanted to go around, uh, go about getting a supervisor, how could they do it? Well, <laughs> we have a link on the NCH for finding a supervisor and everyone is uh, qualified in supervision there are lots of people outside of the nch who are qualified as supervisors as well i would recommend that perhaps you wouldn't have your 
training school tutor as a supervisor because they're two very different roles one is advisory and one is supportive and so actually if you take your training tutor as a supervisor they're always going to be in a teaching role rather than getting you into a growing space and I think that yeah finding somebody that you resonate with a bit like what we say to people finding therapists you know find that key person that will bring out the best in you it's really interesting i really like that listen i i've really enjoyed our time together it's been uh well no the word for it it's been, it's been magic <laughs> and um no we'll, we'll put all the links below this episode uh on the rapid change site uh for the nch and any other links uh, for the recommendations that you've made, certainly books like Irving Yalom will find the books and will make it really easy for you to get access to them. Um, it, it's been not just uh, enjoyable today, but many of you uh, who are listening won't know that we, we've had a lot of fun uh, as well, both on this recording and the recording that didn't work. <laughs> um, so it's been uh, been great uh, chatting, Tracy, and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better over this period as well. So thank you for being part of this Rapid Change conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change matters hyphen podcast. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.